0: Are you looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: The biggest thing is simply this, that I will never find time to pray. I have to literally look at my schedule and stop doing something so I could do prayer. Now, that's going to take maturity and discipline for all of us. You've got to look at your schedule and say, what is, "What is What am I doing that's really good? And stop doing it. So now I can do something that is really great. And that's the beauty of walking with the Lord as you all are connecting to God by yourself. The Lord will speak to you and what you need to do. I can't tell you. I'm not going to put you under legalism and the law. Just the importance of we have to go to the Lord and pray. So devote yourself to prayer. All right, now that being said, let's go pass it back into the passage again. Verse 2, it says, devote yourself to prayer, keep an alert in it with us with an attitude of thanksgiving. That's also an attitude of humility. When you're thankful, you're humble. Praying at the same time for us as well. You can put that word intercession above that again. So in other words, the whole concept of intercession comes into play. And then it says that God will open up to us a door for the word. If you don't have that underlined, you might want to do that. Because what he's saying is, I know that wherever I go, I could reach people. But I want to make sure God opens up the doors he wants me to speak at. Or, or walk through. Or to people that I should address with the gospel. So some of you, you're going to go to some of the UH games this, this year. And I don't know what they're going to do this year. But I just want to follow them Because I think there's a lot of new stuff happening. And a lot of stuff happening. That's all I'm going to say. But I'm going to tell you, you go to a stadium full of people, and who do you talk to? And that's what you have to do, is you have to be ready to say, Lord, will you open up a door? Now watch, this passage says that you would pray for me, that God would open up a door. So do you have your prayer partners, your study buddies, and will they pray for you that you would be looking for a door that God would open for you to give the gospel? Now I think that's one of the more difficult prayers to pray, like boldness. Because if you believe in prayer and you ask God for boldness, what is he going to give you, everyone? Boldness. Got it. If you ask God to open up a door, what do you think God's going to do? Boldness. Open a door for you. And so, what's the big thing about that? That means you've got to use the boldness. You've got to walk through it. Now, whoa, 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 time out. Okay? And that's in this passage. That you would pray for me. That God would open up a door for me. Now, let's go back. It says here, not only did he would open up a door. He says here, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, there it is again, for which I also have been imprisoned, here we go again, no matter what trappings you might feel like you're in, you can't get out of your, your homeschool mom and the kids are all around, how can I get the gospel out, don't worry about it, God will bring people to your door maybe. Verse 4, that I may make it clear, that's a sermon right there, make it clear, and I'll come back to that, in the way I ought to speak. So he's saying, not only open up a door for me, but also in the context of, that I would speak it clearly, the gospel, the mystery of Christ, clearly. Now again, with your pens, if you go back here to the passage, it says here, as I ought to speak. Would you circle the word speak in there? That I may make it clear as I ought to speak. So in other words, it's not just a life. It's also one where that we have to speak the gospel. Most of you know that Carol and I, um, we brought with us here to the islands years ago, the ministry called Make It Clear. That has been our ministry since 1973. That's how old that ministry is. The primary purpose of that ministry is resourcing people with material, radio, as well as some of my outside speaking uh, uh, opportunities. Now, when we came to the island, we basically shut that ministry into a holding mode because we needed to really spend our time building relationships and really kind of seeing where our church is going. Now, we're not reigniting that ministry but at the same time, this church really needed to have a radio program that would take it to a broader audience. We were on at 30 minutes on an AM station on Sunday night. Who in the world listens to an AM station on Sunday night? You know, maybe you do, so I better be careful. So they asked if we would go on KGU. Well the church didn't have it in their budget to do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. There are things there's, there's always gonna be more ministries than we have money, bodies, and bucks to do. But Make It Clear had that opportunity. So we launched that radio ministry on KGU, three o'clock, Monday through Friday. Most of you or some of you listen to that. The devotional booklet that you find in your gift bags that we give out here, all of that comes through Make It Clear. Now, I'm not doing this for a fundraising thing. I'm doing it because I'm committed through that ministry and especially this church that I will take God's word. And before I make it clear, I want to be make it correct. I want to make sure that I'm correct. And then when I do, I want to make it clear. But if I make it clear, I also want to be compassionate. But if I want to be compassionate, I don't want to be kind of a sissy about it. I want to be courageous about this thing. But I don't want to just, you know, be correct, be clear, be compassionate, be courageous. I also want to be consistent. So when I do speak in front of people, one-on-one or crowds or radio, TV, whatever, that it could be trusted. Now I want to give a back door. I'm still learning, I'm still growing in God's word. But here's where I'm coming to you. Would you pray? that I'd be bold. Would you pray that God would open up doors for me to be able to speak the gospel and I would make it clear when I do? And here's what you have for me. I'm going to pray that you're going to be bold and I'm going to pray that God, as he opens doors, you will, with a note of confidence, not in yourself, but in God, walk through that door and with correctness and clarity, courage and compassion, consistently speak that message of the gospel. So again, number one is boldness. Number two is opportunities. And number three is clarity. I said enough about that, so I think you know where we're going on the clarity issue, how important that is. Let me go to the second of three questions. The second question is, what, does, what part does social action play in meeting the needs of others? I wanted to put this in the series called When Others Need Prayer, because it seems like when someone goes through a problem, we either throw prayers for the person... And then it's uh, be warmed and filled and we let them walk out the door. Then you have others that do a little bit of praying and all they want to do is throw money, throw food, throw tents, throw everything they can at these people thinking that that's going to help them. And um, I'm not here thinking about any particular group, organization or ministry that might be doing that. What I do want to do is is I want to say what does God have to say about it? Have you ever really thought about what God has to say about the part of social action we should take in helping those that have a need? So the good news is we're going to cover a bunch of that. The bad news is I won't cover all of it because it's just in Scripture that's such a wonderful batch of great verses to bring it all into balance. But I'm going to try to show that to you today. So let me answer it by two separate little answers to what part does social action play in the meeting of means of others. Now, before I give you that, I need to, let me come back up for a second. Can you in your mind's eye think of someone right now that has a legitimate need, a need? You see their face, you know their name, a neighbor, a family member, someone you work with, they have a real need. And um, I believe that scripture would define a real need as, here it is, very simple, very practical, a basic need of life, something that they need in order for them to sustain life, all right? Not a, a fancier chariot, not a bigger house, but a basic need of life, physical need for life. Now, do you know someone like that? If not, I promise you, you may not know them, but you will see them, especially here in Hawaii on our island and other islands. All right, so now with that picture in your mind, what should we do? First one, Christians are told to meet the needs of Christians first. That sounds so selfish. But Christians are told to meet the needs of other believers first. Now, if you write that correctly, it didn't say Christians are told to meet the needs of Christians, period. I didn't say that. Scripture doesn't say that. It just says when you have to make a choice, Christians get it first. Now, some people, they like that because that's all they're going to give to is Christians, and that's not what Scripture says. But when a choice has to be made, Christians get it first. When a choice doesn't have to be made, and you can give to both, Christians should get it first. If you have your Bibles, let's look at it here, if you will. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. I'm going to give you these two principles, and then we're going to cover how the progression of theology is in this, in Scripture, so you can see it. So you don't grab a verse here and a verse there, and now you build your whole platform of of helping people that have needs. So we're going to look at Galatians chapter 6. And here's what it says. I'd like you to pick it up, if you don't mind, at verse 9. If you you have your Bibles, if not, I have verse 10 in your your worship folder there. But let me just read to you verse 9. So you have it here. Galatians 6, 9. Because I think it's, it kind of prepares us for verse 10. It says, let us not lose heart in doing good. Now let's pause for a moment. Some of us, we're so surrounded by people that have needs. We've done so much, but it, they're like, it's relentless. They're just relentless, relentlessly around our life. And we can't reach them all. And it's easy for us to give up. Some of you have given about as much as you can. Some of you, you, you have given and people have abused you. They've violated you. They've defrauded you after you've given to them. And so you finally say, no more, I I just, I I, I can't do this any longer. I think the Lord is speaking to Christians through Paul when you have that attitude. I know I struggle with that. Verse 9 says, let us not lose heart in doing good. That was good what you were doing. It goes on to say, for in due season we will reap if we do not grow weary. So don't give up, we will reap. Now, here's the thing we have to do. We cannot look to the person that we gave to to give it back to us. Some of them are going to be just a, a black hole. You'll never get it back. But it doesn't really matter. It'd be nice, and you'll see why in a moment here, but at the same time, it's not necessary. When I give, I do not really give to that person. I'm giving unto the Lord. And when I do that, I will get it back. Now, I also have to do this. To get it back from the Lord, I have to give in my calendar. You know what I mean by that? It's not going to come back when we want it. And I struggle with this. And here's the hardest part of all. And this one, some people say, oh, man, he's really nuts. Sometimes you may never get it back on planet Earth, but you will get it back. This is a law of God. This is a promise of God. If you don't get it back, there's no heaven, there's no God, there's nothing. I know you will. That's what it says here. Now it says in verse 10, so then, based on verse 9, so then, while we have opportunity, I know it says in the singular, but man, it seems like while we have opportunities, they're everywhere. Let us do good to all people. So it's not just to the Christians, but to all people. But it goes on to say, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. So make sure we take care of them. Now, I'm going to give you my opinion on this. And sometimes I tell you, don't give your opinion, but I I want to just get you to think a little bit. You can write me back. Why would I? Why do you think Christian? Excuse me. Why do you think Scripture might say, "Give to Christians, especially to them, probably first"? Why, why would it say that? I think that the greatest need someone has is going to be a spiritual need, even if it is a basic need of life. So, if a Christian gets their needs met, so that they can sustain life, then that moment, that Christian has more resources from which now he can reach out to other people. If I strengthen the body of Christ through taking care of their basic needs, they're not having to scratch for every little thing to try to survive because something's happening to help them. So now we can unleash them on those who have other needs so we could reach them for the Lord. So in other words, it's strengthening the army so we can go reach out to those that have a special need. It's like, let's get the doctors healthy so we can go after the patients. Think about it that way, maybe. Now, the second one is Christians are told to give to those who have needs. Now, the first one I said, meet the needs. Now, this one I've changed and I put to give to those that have needs. Now, in the Bible days, it could be the commodity of money, financial resources, probably was a lot of times, but I don't think it's restricted to that. I think it'd be other resources that you might have. It may not be directly money, but it could be something that would translate into something that would help for basic need of life. I want to show you a verse, if you will look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13 and 14. This is in a bigger batch of verses that deal with the whole concept of giving, and when you give, give cheerfully, and when you also give, know that you're going to give, and you're going to get back, and all of that. But I wanted to just take these two verses out, because I think this is the core, this is the core of it all. So look at it very carefully. For this is not for, in other words, this whole idea of giving, for this is not for the ease of others, and for your affliction. In other words, you don't give, so all of a sudden you suffer. That's not the whole idea of giving. But it says, but by way of equality. You can underline that. The purpose of giving is to kind of balance the books with people. At this present time, your abundance, that would be those that have, being a supply for their need. So that, and I love this, their abundance, once they have it and they get grounded and stable again, and they're now back on the road to financial recovery or need recovery, they also may become a supply for your need. That means there'll be times that you'll do without that there may be equality. So let me just try to put it in the street language here. Yeah, give to other people. But not where you so suffer because now you're hurting, but you give to them. And when you do... They then will become stronger. And now when you will have a need, and by the way, it's a cycle of this whole thing, and those of you that have been around long enough, you know there are times when you have, there's times when you have not, that they then can meet your need. Why? So that there is this, watch this word, fellowship. Now I told you I was doing this, this, this study at night on worship. During the day I'm doing another whole study on the, on the depth of the whole concept of fellowship in the body of Christ. I wish I had every night of the week for the rest of my life just to preach because I'm I'm getting so much of this stuff. But this verse right here talks about the binding together. So let me take it another step. I often think that the reason that there are needs that someone has so that we would meet the needs, so we would connect with one another, so that the body of Christ is relating better, so that God is getting glorified and the world out there sees what's happening to us and they want what, what got us what we got, which would be the Lord. So I think it's all part of this big thing that's going on. Now, that all being said, I have a couple passages I want you to look at that are not going to be put up on the screen. They're just addresses in your worship folder. But I want you to get them out and get your Bible out and look at these because now I have to answer the question, how do we do this when we don't have a lot of stuff? How do we make this happen? We're going to look at Acts. Acts chapter 2. Very quickly, Acts chapter 2. Because I need to show you in the balance of how this is to be done. So I want you to pick it up. And look at verse 42, I know the outline says 43, but, or 44 let's go to verse 42, Acts chapter 2 verse 42 now while you're finding your Bibles and opening it up to that passage, let me set you up Jesus is now, not only resurrected, he resurrected shared what he needed to share with the guys to finally launch them into a world evangelism and then he ascends up to heaven the Holy Spirit comes down the New Testament church begins at Jerusalem, and then it's starting to spread, actually it's just birthed here but it's going to start spreading so what happens with this new church well gobs of people are coming to faith and Jesus is the Messiah they're becoming a believer in Christ <clears throat> at that time now, you guys that are listening on radio right now there's some rumbling out there I don't know maybe someone's hungry or somebody on a motorcycle's out there maybe that's my mom she just came today I don't know I'm joking alright so the point still being let me get my thoughts back here As if the whole church is now coming together, many people are coming to faith alone in Christ. But because of that, in that environment, they are now, because they're Jewish, are being so much um, marginalized from their families that their Jewish relatives essentially are having funerals For them, not literal funerals, but relational funerals, because they're coming to Christ, they're losing their jobs, there's a lot of persecution that's beginning to happen, and you're going to see even more, so they're becoming more and more isolated, but these new believers are, which I would like to see more today, become so hungry for the word of God that they'll do anything they can to sustain life, learn God's word, so they can really know God, the real God, and to be able to take that to other people as well. Now that being the case, now there's problems. Because there's some that have and there's some that have not. And so verse 42 says, as the little church was coming together and exploding in growth, it says, they were continually devoting themselves to four things. And I underline the words continually devoting themselves, which means it wasn't a one-time act. Well, maybe it was. But in other words, they made the choice. We are going to. That's the one decision. Continually, that's an ongoing choice, of devoting ourselves to four things. First, the apostles' teaching. They were bringing forth the word of God, maybe orally as it was becoming more written. And to fellowship, that's another sermon series, but the connecting of one another properly. To the breaking of bread, I believe in this part of the verse it's referring to communion. Other parts, it would be a love feast that while you're having communion, you're eating with one another besides just the bread and the juice. But notice the last one here, and to prayer. So if you took the other three out for just a moment, they continually devoted themselves over and over again to prayer. Now verse 44. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. In the Greek it says it this way. And all those who had believed together had all things in common. Now if you want to, you can take that phrase and draw a line to the word fellowship. Because that's what fellowship is all about. Having everything in common physical, spiritual, that kind of thing. That doesn't mean you share your wife with some other person. It's not talking about that. But it's talking about those basic needs that bring people together properly. Then it goes on to say in verse 45, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all. And here's what you need to mark. As anyone might have need. It says all, true, but it's qualified now. Not everybody, it wasn't communism, it certainly wasn't socialism. What it was, if someone had a legitimate need, and go back to what we said earlier, a basic need of life, they would be given what they needed for a basic need of life. If if there wasn't something to be able to give to those people, a basic need of life, then those would be willing to sell what they had. And in the Greek, it's a continual sense of they're selling their property and their possessions. Which means as the church grew, there'd be more people that had needs and others would sell more stuff. So it wasn't like, okay, this Sunday, everybody turn in your mortgage. Everybody give me the deeds of your house and your cars and everything else you have. And so we're all going to put it in one pot and you come to us and we give it out. It wasn't like that. It was more like, you have a need. Let's make sure. How can we meet it? Who can help them do this? Okay, you want to sell that? Okay, you love that person. You want to help them out? Then it comes back to you again. That's the whole concept here that they were doing to make sure that things were coming together. Now, if you will, go to chapter 4. The church is just a little bit older, not much older. Still the Jerusalem church, the New Testament church. Many needs. Gospel's going out. Church is growing. A lot more persecution. Many more people were suffering. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to give you a freebie right here. Don't have time to do this, but verse 29 through 31 talks about how that they were communicating the gospel even after they were persecuted. They asked for boldness and God gave them boldness when they prayed. So there's another whole passage of praying for boldness even at the beginning of the New Testament church. don't have time to preach that, so go to verse 32. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. See, I love that part because it's not just we all have one checkbook together. It's that our heart and souls are knit together in love one toward another. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to them or him was his own. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it belonged to the people. What it did mean this. What I have is not mine. It belongs to the Lord. Take that to the bank. That's the key. Whatever I have, God wanted me to have. Can God give you things? Yes or no? Can God, if he wants to, take away things? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. I reluctantly wanted to hold back from sharing this with you. But I think this might help you so you know that everybody goes through these things. Carol and I have a a 2006 CRV. That's Carol's car because mine's the egg beater, the beach car, that red 1996 red Honda that you on my 60th birthday so graciously had the finest paint job I could ever have on a car thought it was going to be a Corvette for my birthday, but no, I'm just joking. I got this beautiful car. And so we've been using that. And most of the time when people come into town, you probably noticed, I loan out. I probably should loan out the CRV, but I'm not that spiritual yet. So I I, I gave out, and we did. John's parents were here. They had the car. You know, we're doing all this. The Shrewsbury's, as you know, left the island, and they were transferred to Tokyo. So Stephen uh, was gracious enough to sell me his car because that bucket of bolts was... It's, it's, it's not as dependable when you have a funeral or when you have a wedding to go to. And I was a little nervous about it. And plus, it was such a good deal with Stephen. So I, bought, so I had three cars. Now I was really rejoicing because at one time I had three cars too. You remember that. I had that car. We loaned it to all of our missionaries. We loaned it to families in the church. In fact, we gave it away. It lasted six months. And now it's in some crusher somewhere because that too was a bucket of bolts. And we wanted another car. Because we like to loan it out. The church can't pay insurance on it. They can't keep it up. I understand. We don't want that. That's all right. So Thursday night, the lights were on here. Someone left the major street lights on. The big, like a a car dealership set of lights on. And uh, Arnold saw him and he was so gracious, he, he called Pastor Charlie to come over to turn it off. Thank you, Arnold, for not calling me. I appreciate that. All right, so he called Pastor Charlie. Charlie just as he always is, as all of our staff, all of you are like this. Yeah, sure, I'll come down. So he drives by here and he shuts it off. And he thought, this is nice. Stan's car is in the spotlight. So it's here. I come yesterday to do some work and as I looked into the parking lot, my red car isn't there. I called everybody I know. That car is gone. Well, gone from me, but it's somewhere on the island. I have nowhere. I I call the police. They wanted to know, Does your wife have it? (laughs) No. All right. So I said that to say this. God can give you and God can take it away. So it doesn't really matter. I don't grieve that I don't have a car because I have enough cars. Nice cars. What I grieve is I don't have a car to loan to people. That's what really hurts. But God knows. If he wants him to have a car... He'll have you on your car. (laughs) The bottom line still is, we give to others because our heart is knit together in love for one another, but we don't own this stuff. It all belongs to the Lord. Now, you've got to stay with me because if you stopped on this right here, you will not have balanced teaching. And a lot of people want to end with this, and you cannot do this because it doesn't answer enough of the bigger questions.